How are we this morning, church? We all right? Well, that was what we were expecting. Fantastic. Um, so as Kelvin said, um, yeah, I am on the, the Generations um, Pastor here at New Life, which means that I do have the privilege and the joy um, of discipling and helping lead um, our children right through to our teenagers and taking them on this wild journey of faith. And, and I just want to say um, on behalf of myself and the rest of the ministry team here at New Life, I just want to say a massive thank you to all of you for the way in which you've been faithful in the last few weeks, the way in which you as a church community have lent in, whether it's through praying um, through prayer or whether it's been through your generosity and actually contributing um, to financially support someone to come along or if you've taken the bold step of faith of actually inviting your child along or someone else's child along, I just want to say that what happened over these, the last four days has been amazing. What we've seen God do, yes, yeah, seriously, God deserves a clap for that one. That's awesome. Uh, seriously, I, I always just get blown away by these conferences. They kind of, they just, there's a lot that goes into them. And then there's this moment where you get to stand back and you see kids down the front excited, lifting up the name of Jesus. They're dancing around. We get to see teenagers actually responding to the gospel and having these encounters with the Holy Spirit. And it is just beautiful. It is a beautiful thing that we as a church get to be a part of. And I just want to say that I'm sorry that you weren't there. Unfortunately, you didn't qualify because of the age. But just because you weren't there doesn't mean that you weren't a part of it. And so I just want to say a huge thank you. And if, um, if you do have a child, so if you have someone who's in kids' life, can I encourage you, when you go to pick up your child after the service, please thank anyone in an orange shirt. What they did, uh, you wouldn't believe this, but they naively thought, how hard is it going to be to put all the chairs back? So they stacked all the chairs. And as you know, there's QR codes on every chair, and they're all numbered. Yeah, yeah, we realized that on Thursday afternoon. And there was tears. And also, we apologize if you can't scan your QR code because we rubbed the sticker off, but you can work out where you are. But, but you know, this team's been faithful. And then what we saw happen with our teenagers over the last two days, um, once again, has just been beautiful. And so if you have a teenager, can I encourage you, thank Courtney, um, thank some of the other leaders and thank the people who have actually taken your children on a discipleship journey. We don't take it lightly. We do see it as a privilege. It brings us great joy. Um, and, and honestly, I'm just so grateful that I get to be a part of it. Um, so yes, I just want to say that uh, on behalf of our team. But why don't we close our eyes now and why don't we pray before we get stuck into it. So Lord God, uh, we, just, we just thank you uh, that we get to be here this morning. God, we thank you for the gift that it is to, to be united physically and online as a church. And Lord, I just want to pray that in these next few moments, Lord, I just pray that, that my voice is quickly forgotten, Lord, but it's just your voice, the Holy Spirit that just speaks into us. Lord, I pray that we leave changed because of what you've done in our hearts and our souls today. God, may you set our hearts on fire for you. God, may you fill us with this belief that we can go out and with your strength, God, we can actually see people's eternities changed. God, we just thank you for the privilege it is to be here, to hear your word. So God, we just thank you for that. Amen. Amen. I should also start by saying um, my voice doesn't normally sound like this. I apologize in case you haven't worked out. I've been a little bit busy uh, the last couple of days. I also, does anyone know, I said in the 8 a.m. service, and I'm actually feeling quite convicted about this. Does anyone know where the term your voice is horse? Does anyone know where that comes from? 
Fantastic. So we've just been saying this since the beginning of time and no one knows what it means. So Kelvin said if you go to Alpha, he'll give you the answer. But, um, but yeah, so I do apologise for that. So we'll be taking lots of drinks of water. Um, but, but yeah, I want to start by saying this morning, um, who enjoyed watching the AFL Grand Final last night? Oh, seriously, Queenslanders, get excited. AFL is the best sport, I will argue tooth and nail. Rugby is just a bunch of people that run into each other. AFL requires skill. Anyways, half the church is going to leave now. Whoa. So it's the AFL Grand Final last night. Uh, the D's won. What a fantastic moment for um, the Melbourne Demons. Weird name. It feels weird saying that in church, but the Melbourne team, um, they were fantastic. They deserve the win. But um, I actually didn't get to watch the Grand Final because, as Kelvin said, we were a little bit busy putting the auditorium back together. Um, but as I was thinking about the AFL Grand Final, it reminded me of a moment in my life that was quite unforgettable. See, Dad and I are mad, and when I say mad, it sort of means two meanings. At the moment, it's like angry mad because Essendon are bad, but we're Essendon supporters. We're mad keen Essendon supporters. Fantastic. A few Bombers supporters, the Warwicks, fantastic. That's good. There's, um, but yeah, so the Essendon at times have been okay. Anyways, been a little bit mad lately because they're not doing too well. A few years ago, though, we're at the MCG on Anzac Day. Now, anyone who's ever like known anything about AFL, you know, it's kind of like grand final here, Anzac Day here. The real diehard fans go to the Anzac Day match. And so dad and I got these tickets and we're there and us and 95,000, well actually 45,000 because we hate Collingwood, 45,000 of our friends and then the Collingwood supporters, they're all there, we're all cheering on and it is a great game. It is fantastic. Essendon has been in front and it's just things are looking good for the Bombers. It's like, yes, we're going to get one back. And then in the fourth quarter, there's this momentum shift where we see Collingwood just sort of begin to get the ball rolling a little bit. And, you know, Essendon players are getting more and more nervous and we're thinking, oh, no, like, not again. And so, you know, we're all sitting there. And then there's this moment where a Collingwood player has a choice to make. He's in the middle of the ground. He's running straight down the middle. And he sees nothing but, like, free space in front of him. And he thinks he's got a choice. Either I kick the ball long or I run like Billy O and hope no one catches me. And so he looks around, does this look over his shoulder and then backs himself, takes a bounce and then begins to run down the middle of the MCG. And you can feel this anticipation building and there's a player for the Essendon Bombers. His name is Anthony McDonald Tippin Woody. If you ever want some entertaining highlights, just Google his name on YouTube. He's fantastic. He is chasing after this guy and then you hear the crowd build, build, build until he takes him down in front of everyone. And I kid you not, whether you were Collingwood, Essendon, whatever you were there for that day, in that moment you cheered. It was like just this sound of 95,000 people screaming, ball, and it was just something special. Seeing that moment, hearing the crowd cheer. But you know, it's interesting because it got me thinking about, well, that was 95,000 people at the MCG. And so, well, what's the biggest crowd that we've ever seen at the MCG? Does anyone actually know what the biggest crowd is at the MCG? Yeah, go. Very close. 120 with a bit of GST. About 130 to 140,000 people. But here's the beautiful thing. What was it for? Billy, fantastic. Yes, excellent. It was for a Billy Graham service that he put on at the MCG in 1959. There was this swell. There was this anticipation because Billy Graham was coming to town. 
And they packed out the MCG to over 130,000 people were there to hear about the grace and the love of Jesus Christ, hanging on to every word that Billy Graham said. You hear people talk about, I remember when, I won't try and do an old person voice, but I remember when I was watching this on TV and, you know, it was in black and white. And I remember the moment when Billy Graham did this or people who were there talk about this moment when they were there and 130,000 people were declaring the name of Jesus And it was something significant. It was an unforgettable moment in history. I wonder if you have ever had any unforgettable moments in your life. Another unforgettable moment in history. This one's kind of a bit of a niche one, but some of the lads might track with me on this one. Is there was this Christian metal band in the 80s who they no one had really, as Christians, hadn't really sort of dived into the the Christian or into the metal field. And these four guys with curly perms wearing tight, bright lycra and a little bit of yellow named their band Striper. Is there any Striper fans? Oh, fantastic. That's what I expected. This amazing metal band. And what did they do? They entered into a field that no other Christian went into. And what they begun to do, this band called Striper released these amazing songs and people did not know what they were signing up for. In fact, they thought they were going to like this metal concert. And if you read the lyrics to Striper's songs, they're more worship songs with a really funky beat than they are anything else. And so these people are rocking up to this concert, walking through metal detectors, getting weapons confiscated off them. And then they're hearing about the grace and the love of Jesus Christ and all that Jesus Christ has come to do. And then they're throwing out Bibles, hopefully at them, not to, to, no, to them, not at them. And so they're throwing out these Bibles and there's this beautiful thing where that's an unforgettable moment. You hear of the metal sort of crew from the 80s and they talk so fondly about the moment that Striper sort of rose to fame. There was this anticipation that God was doing something. Or, you know, for maybe some of us are more younger people, one that might sort of relate to us a little bit more was the moment that Justin Bieber declared his love for Jesus Christ. Justin Bieber, arguably probably the most famous person um, who's currently like in the, in the social world at the moment. Everyone knows the name of Justin Bieber. So you think about it. This guy got whatever he wanted. Whatever money could buy, he could buy it. Whatever he needed, he got. He had the world at his fingertips, yet his soul was longing for something that the world could not satisfy. And so Justin Bieber encountered the grace and the love of Jesus Christ and was so desperate to respond to that good news that he got baptized in a bathtub of an NBA player's New York City mansion skyrise thing because he was so desperate in that moment to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. It's beautiful. You know, there's all of these unforgettable moments that we have throughout history. And the thing that confuses me a little bit, though, is they sort of get lost throughout the generations. See, when I talk about Billy Graham to a bunch of teenagers, it's kind of the response that I get. Who? See the old guy, you know, on the black and white TV, the audio's a bit funny, we kind of, is that that guy? Yeah, 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 well, he was pretty significant. You know, you talk to people about Striper and they're like, yeah, well, they have no idea what it is. You know, you talk to some people about Justin Bieber and they're there going, who's this Justice Bieber thing? Like, what's this about? That's an office reference. That one's for free if anyone anyone watches The Office. You see, the the communicators get lost over time, but, but the unforgettable thing is the one who they're pointing to. 
So there's these moments in history that, that different groups, different demographics cling on to. But the interesting thing is, is who it's all pointing to. See, all of these stories, everything that Billy Graham came to do, all that Justin Bieber has done since he's given his life to the Lord, it's all he wants to do is point people back to the name of Jesus. See, there is no other more unforgettable person than Jesus on this earth. And I challenge you to try and correct me on that. Think about it, Christian or non-Christian, our calendars alone are based on the life of Jesus. We have before Christ, and then I have to make sure I get this right. This is my Latin for today. Here we go. Latin cross with bogan, so I apologize if I get it wrong. Anno Domini, which I'm sure, I always want to say dominos, but Anno Domini, which means the year of the Lord. So our calendar is based on before Christ and then after the year of the Lord. There has been almost 4 billion books sold that give testament to the life of Jesus Christ. No one in the history of the world has been more unforgettable than Jesus. Everything he has done is revolutionary. And what I wanted to do today was I actually wanted to look and go, well, where did all of this start for Jesus? What was the moment when we saw, I guess, like, you know, for a Jason term, when did we see the cat get out of the bag? When did all of this take off? When was the moment when Jesus' public ministry was launched? And what, what does it actually mean for us? What's the hope that we can cling on to from this message? And so we know that Jesus was born in a manger, a cute little thing. We sing the songs at Christmas time, fantastic. In Luke's gospel, there's a little bit of a reference to Jesus being a cheeky little 12-year-old, running away from mum and dad, doing the good thing though. Imagine that, like telling your parents, nah, I ran away to go back to church. Your parents would be like, no. But in John 2, we sort of we see this launch into Jesus' public ministry. And what I want to do is I just want to read out this scripture. It's John 2, and it's verses 1 to 12. So the next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. It's cool to be invited to a wedding with your mum. The wine supply ran out during the festival, so Jesus' mother told him they have no more wine. Jesus said, Dear woman, that's not our problem. And Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars have been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over and he said, a host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine, but you have kept the best wine until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time that Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed him. So what's at play in this story here? What can we actually learn from this story of Jesus turning water into wine? Because it's a lot more than just a really, really cool party trick. What Jesus has done here is beautiful. 
You see, back, back in this time, when, when you would have a wedding, a wedding would go for days and days and days and days. Sophie and I, side note, we did two weddings because of COVID. We did one and then the next day, and we were like pooped after that. So reading that, you know, they did like four days in a row, I'm like, I would be knackered. Anyways, so they have these four-day-long, we should be breathtaking by that, four-day-long wedding ceremonies. And, and what happens is, is these weddings, they're actually your moment, I guess, to, to take a stance in society. To show who you are, whether you know you're a fancy person, you're all that in a bag of potato chips, or or if it goes south, that actually this is the moment where you're exposed. Where for the rest of your life, if your wedding is not a hit, you're now defined by that terrible moment. And so we actually see that in this moment, it's more than just a wedding, but this is a moment in time where for these people, there's this vulnerable moment, they've ran out of wine. If something doesn't change for the rest of their life, every time someone sees them, they're going to go, <laughs> it's the people that ran out of wine at the wedding. <laughs> Did you go to that wedding? Were you there? <laughs> you see, there's a lot at play here. And then as we read, we see that Jesus, his first miracle that he does, it's not feeding the 5,000, it's not feeding 4,000, it's not bringing a dead person back to life, it's not healing people, it's not redeeming people whose identity had been taken away from them. It was simply turning water into wine. So what's, what's the message here? What's Jesus trying to commun- communicate to us? It's that Jesus cares about the little things. Jesus cares about the seemingly insignificant things. See, Jesus knew what was at stake for these two people in that moment. And I love the way in which Mary is the one that calls it out in Jesus. She says to Jesus, hey, mate, you've got the goods here. Let's, let's, let's start this fire. Let's go. And I love it when Jesus turns to his mother and then he turns and he says, woman. And there's this moment, this beautiful shift in scripture where they sort of believe that in this moment, this is where Jesus steps out from being Mary's son. And now he calls her woman as a sign of respect to say, you're no longer my mother. I'm now stepping into my calling and that is to be the savior. And it's this beautiful moment in scripture. And he decides to do it at a wedding by turning water into wine. This should excite us. There should be something in us that when we hear this, we go, oh, isn't that good news for me? Because Jesus cares about the intricate details of our lives. The things that we think, oh, Jesus doesn't care about that. It's evident that he does. Think about all the mighty grand things that he did and he decided to start off his ministry simply by turning water into wine. This moment where this couple was going to be living in shame and embarrassment for the rest of their life. And Jesus was the one to redeem and restore them in that moment. This should be the kind of thing that gets us as Christians excited to think that Jesus wants to be a part of the the small, what we would call insignificant moments. And you see, I think the interesting thing with these small and insignificant moments is when we actually take a moment and look at what this small, insignificant moment was and how Jesus turned that around. So there's this term in the Bible. I know you're thinking, you're going to be like, wow, Jason, what has happened to you? Speaking Latin, Bogan, and I'm about to drop a bit of Greek on you. Here we go. I know this is big for me. (laughs) Thank you so much for laughing, Anna. The word kairos. I want to introduce to you this word kairos. And a kairos moment is when God steps in. A kairos moment is when it's almost like we as humanity, we surrender whatever idea, whatever, whatever agenda we have, whatever it is that we thought was at play here, we actually just simply surrender that over to God and we invite God into this place. 
And this moment in Scripture is a beautiful Kairos moment. Here is Mary, Jesus' mother. She knows about the power that is in the name of Jesus Christ. She knows what he is capable of doing. And in that moment, she invites Jesus into that moment and then creates this beautiful Kairos moment where we see Jesus come and do something special. I wonder if you have ever experienced a Kairos moment. That moment where in your life you you know you actually need something more than what you can provide. You know that you need the the, the Saviour, Jesus Christ, to come and be the one to actually guide you out of this. To steer the conversation. Kairos moments are the most beautiful moments that we as Christians can enjoy. They're the moments where it's kind of like everything around us is forgotten and it's just us and God and we're just sitting in this moment of just beauty in awe and wonder of the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, a few years ago, I had this Kairos moment that, that for me, it, it just, it just hits, it hits me hard. It was this moment I was, um, now I know I'm going to start by saying this, I promise the story's going somewhere. I was selling um, a motorbike jersey on Gumtree. I know what you're thinking, wow, where is this going? It's very good. Selling this motorbike jersey on, um, on Gumtree. And um, it was kind of like a rare sort of a jersey. It was a championship winning jersey. And I was like, it's not going to fit in my unit anywhere. So I was like, I'll get rid of it, get some cash. And so I put up online. And, and after a couple of days, I got this message from someone on Gumtree that said, hey, um, I'd like to buy your jersey. I have no money. I'll pay for postage. I'm sad and in hospital." I was like, all right. And so I thought, well, well, what's actually at stake here? And, and normally, like, I enjoy a bit of banter over the socials and, you know, trying to work out what's going on here. But there was this weird thing where I was like, actually, nah, I'm going to take this bit seriously. And so I said, oh, I shot this message back. I said, oh, um, thank you so much for your message. I'm, I'm really sorry to hear about the situation you're in. Um, I said, I'm actually a pastor up on the Gold Coast. Um, I lead a youth ministry up there. And, um, and I just want to let you know that if you want to talk at any point, here's my phone number. And I kid you not, within 30 seconds, my phone rings. And I'm like, oh, here we go. We could be on here. And so I answer the phone, and it's like this awkward silence on the end of the line. And it's kind of like, hello, how's it going? And there's just this silence. And, and I'm like, oh, hi, I'm Jason. You know, da, 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 da. I did a little bit of introduction. The guy goes, I don't even know why I called you. He goes, I have no idea. He goes, I'm sitting here in hospital. He goes, I've just had my leg amputated from an accident. Here I am grieving the loss of one of my body parts. I don't even know what life's going to look like for me now. I'm lost and I'm a mess. And he said, I don't even know why I'm calling you. Starts bawling his eyes out. And I'm like, whoa, we are on here. It was just this beautiful moment. This guy just began to share this story of how he was walking through all of these things. And I was just sitting there listening and, and there was this another moment in this conversation where he didn't know this, but I actually knew who the guy was because about four or five years earlier, I'd actually bought a motorbike from him and I'd recognised his name and whereabouts he was and I thought, well, that's a unique name. I think I know who you are. So I'm talking on the phone. I said, hey, you're not going to believe this, but about five years ago, you sold a motorbike to me. It was just this silence on the end of the line. This guy was like, it was just this moment where he was like, oh my gosh, like all of our worlds just came together. And here I am talking to this guy, thinking I'm trying to give away, trying to get a free jersey out of me. And here we are having this beautiful moment where this guy is just sharing his heart and his soul around the grief of what he's currently walking through. 
It was this beautiful Kairos moment for me. Simply because I didn't, didn't just walk away from it. That was such an insignificant moment. It was someone simply asking for something free on Gumtree. And I just felt this prompting to actually take it seriously. I said to the guy, I said, you know what? I said, like, we're talking on the phone. He's blubbering. I'm getting a little bit teary. And I said, mate, I'll send you the jersey. It's all yours. Give me your address. He said, I'll pay for postage. He's just like, nah, it's all right. Like, we got you. It's 10 bucks. And I said to him, I said, but there's under one condition. Next time I'm down in your area, um, I'd like to take you out and just get to hear your story a bit more. And so next time I was down in Victoria, um, where about some from, hashtag best city in Australia, and state, not city. Good job, Jason. Geography, Jason. And so next time I'm down there, I, um, I did this four-hour round trip to go and see this guy. And I just remember just sitting there. And you know what? I would love to say that in that moment, I led him to the Lord. But to me, that moment, actually, it, it, I just wanted to sit and listen. I just wanted to hear what this guy was walking through in his life. And for me to just sit there, this guy who reached out to me on Gumtree begins to pour out his heart and his soul. He hasn't yet given his life to God, but I'm telling you, there's just these like only God comical moments where our stories just keep intertwining. And so I'm believing that God's going to do something. But that for me, that was a Kairos moment. That was an only God moment. It was such a seemingly insignificant moment that turned out to be an unforgettable moment for me. See, church, I think God gives us opportunities every day. God gives us these seemingly insignificant moments every day that He wants to use for His glory, to enhance His kingdom. And God invites us into those moments. And all we have to do is we have to have the faith like Mary. We have to seek and chase a Kairos moment, an only God moment, where the only way we're going to get ourselves out of this conversation, the only way this is going to turn out well, the only way this can ever have hope is by the hope of Jesus Christ. What are the areas in your life, in your world, where do you need to be chasing Kairos moments? Whereabouts in your life do you need to introduce Jesus into? You know, maybe for you, we've just come out of this incredible series where we talk about what it means to have, have our faith at work and live out our faith in our workplace. You know, maybe for you, it means that before you send off that fiery, snarky email that you know is passive aggressive and not going to go anywhere well, you pray and you say, God, how do I respond in this moment? You know, maybe it's a family member who doesn't yet know God. And you know that they bait you and they tease you and they make fun of what you do. And, you know, you always know they're just trying to rub you the wrong way and just get a bite out of you. And maybe for you, that's your Kairos moment where you actually just sit and say, God, what are you doing in their hearts right now? Lord God, Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that you just guide and lead this conversation in a way that I can't take it. God, I need you in this moment. God gives us these seemingly insignificant little gifts every single day. It's just on us how we respond. We can just let them fly by or we can chase these Kairos moments. 
these moments where we just see God's hands beautifully at work. So New Life Church, I don't, want to, I don't want us to be a community that's known as stale Christians that come, we get entertained on a Sunday, maybe go to a small group, hashtag shameless plug for small groups. Maybe we go to a small group once a week and that's, that's it for us. Imagine if our faith was the kind of faith that the minute that we stepped out of this building, we knew that we were on. That when we walk outside these four walls, we know that we are going to battle and we are going to be Christians who are chasing Kairos moments. As we get into our car, we're saying, God, we're about to you at work. Where can you lead me? Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that you guide this. I promise you, if we are the kind of Christians that seek these only God moments, these moments where only God can intervene, I promise you that if we chase and we seek those, this auditorium will look radically different. We'll be packed to the rafters with people going, oh my gosh, I need to know about this Jesus. Alpha won't just be something that Calvin, you know, has to like facilitate once in a blue moon. We'll be having new alphas every single week because people have to know about the grace and love of Jesus Christ. Church, we need to chase chaos moments. We need to believe that Jesus wants to use the seemingly insignificant to make an unforgettable moment. All that Justin Bieber did was realise that there was a God-shaped hole in his heart that he tried to fill with everything that the world could provide for him. And it didn't. And now he's a guy who's leading churches in worship. Think about that. The biggest rock star or artist in the world is now leading people in worship. Billy Graham simply got invited to a church, heard about the name of Jesus and then wanted to tell people about the name of Jesus. God wants to use these seemingly insignificant moments to make an unforgettable moment. So what I'd love to do now is I just love it. Um, if we could pray for a moment. I really, I've had a sense and a heaviness on my heart this week that, that God really wants to just do a work in some people's hearts and some souls this morning. Um, and so, so what I'd love for us to do now, if it's all right, even if it's not all right, I'll get you to jump to your feet if you're able. We'll close our eyes. And the reason um, I like to do so let's jump to our feet. I'll walk through our teenage, I'll walk this through with our teenagers a lot. Just it's helpful to explain what, what's gonna happen over the next little bit. Um, you know, we're about to step into a moment where some people are gonna respond to what Jesus is doing in their hearts right now. The Holy Spirit's working in their hearts. And the last thing we want to do as Christians is be the rubberneckers who are looking around and going, oh, they're, oh, what's going on? And so what we ask is, if, you know, if we just sit here, we close our eyes and we just keep our heads bowed. And what we're going to do is we're just going to spend a moment just listening to the Holy Spirit. And we're just going to see what the Holy Spirit might want to say and how the Holy Spirit wants to speak um, into some people's hearts and souls. So I'm just going to pray really quickly. And there will just be a moment of silence. We'll just keep our eyes closed. We'll keep our heads down. And we'll just see what the Holy Spirit wants to do. So Holy Spirit, we just pray right now that you just speak. Speak, Holy Spirit. Let's close. We're going to keep our heads down. But I get a sense 
I get a sense that there's someone here who doubts the power of God. That even as you came here today, as I've been talking about, you know, the power of God, the message of Jesus Christ, there's something in you that doubts. It's almost like you want to believe, but you just don't quite have the faith to do so. And I really get a sense that, that God just wants to touch your heart right now. And so if that's you, our eyes are closed, our heads are down. If that's you online, just let Kelvin know or comment in the things and we'd love to pray for you. But if that's you in this moment, if you just struggle to believe in in the power of these Kairos moments, in in the power of God, if there's just been this struggle and this wrestle in you, I really get a sense that the Holy Spirit wants to meet with you. So if that's you in this room, can you just put your hand up right now? Holy Spirit, I want to pray for the people right now who have just cried out to you and they said that they're struggling. They're struggling to put their faith in you. And Lord, as those hands went up, I just pray, Lord, that your presence just washed over them. Your calming peace just washed over them. God, I want to pray right now in Jesus' name that they're given opportunities to step out in faith, Lord, to experience your mighty wonder. going to keep praying for a bit longer. I don't think that the Holy Spirit's done this yet. All right, I've got a sense that there's someone who... In this room, the beautiful thing is if I get this word wrong, at least I'll just know for having a crack. That's the worst case scenario. The best case scenario is that someone might encounter the Holy Spirit in a way that they weren't ready for, in a beautiful way. But I really get a sense that, that there's someone here who um, they've been walking with God for a while um, and they're hearing about these Kairos moments and, and God actually just wants to remind you of the beauty of the Kairos moments that you've had. To actually just in this moment, just sit and reflect and look at the goodness of what what God has done in your life. For the Kairos moments, the only God moments that you've had. And so Lord, I want to pray for that person or for those people. Lord, I want to pray that right now you just begin to fill their minds with the wonderful Kairos moments that you've given them. I really just get a sense the Holy Spirit's just really doing a work in some people's hearts and souls right now. This is beautiful. This is the church. Some of us, Some of us just need to pray for the boldness to have Mary-like faith. To be so dependent on Jesus Christ that we know nothing else can pull us out of the situation like Jesus can. So for God, those people in this room right now who are 
who are needing that faith, who are needing that bold faith. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you fill them afresh. Fill them with belief. Lord, set our hearts on fire for Kairos moments. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this auditorium right now. Lord, I thank you for the reverence and the significance of this moment for so many. God, I just pray that, God, this is Kairos moments for some people right now. Unforgettable moments where you've just woven your way into our hearts. God, I thank you for all that that you're doing and you'll continue to do in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. When we talk about Kairos and these only God moments, it just inspires me to sing and to actually respond in the, the most beautiful way that we can as a church community. That's lift up the name of Jesus. And so if you would like prayer, if God was tugging on your heart in some way, you were thinking, hey, I'd like some, some one-on-one prayer. There's a few of us pastors and some leaders in our church down the front and hear this, nothing would bring us more joy than to pray for you. Nothing would bring us more joy than that. And so if you feel prompted to come down the front for prayer, please do so. But for everyone else, why don't we lift up the name of Jesus? Why don't we sing as if our hearts depend on it? Why don't we declare the name of Jesus in a way that when we go out of here, we go out into our weeks ready to rock and roll and to chase this Kairos moment?